0: In the book of Judges, we find this story of a guy named Gideon. And Gideon and the people of Israel during this time were hidden away in caves. They were hidden away and they were withdrawn in fear from these people called the Midianites. You see, as Israel would prepare their crops, as they would take care of The animals in the pasture, what would happen from time to time, the Bible says in Judges 6 is that the Midianites would come in like a swarm of locusts, just so many people, and they would come in and they would just wreck, take whatever they wanted and wreck everything else with the crops and the herds. So that Israel was withdrawn. Israel was terrified. Israel was afraid, and they were not prospering. Hidden in caves in fear of the rest of the world that was around them. And we find Gideon is, is so afraid, actually, part of his family, what they're doing is, is they're actually threshing wheat. And typically, of course, this is an outdoor activity, threshing of wheat, in other words, getting everything off the plant for the wheat to get your grain and whatnot. And he was thresh, threshing wheat inside of a wine press. Not where you would typically do it. Everything that they were doing was, was done in secret to keep it away from the Midianites to protect what they had. When you're afraid, you withdraw. In this case, they were in caves, and they were protecting everything that they had. They were not really living. And what's interesting is that it got so bad that it says that even the Israelites, they finally just cried out to God. There have been times in our life where things have gotten so bad and we've gotten to that point where we just cry out to God where we kind of get to that point where we say enough is enough. And like the video we saw, now is the time. Now is the time to do something. And so God shows up. He sends this prophet and actually the angel of the Lord and speaks with Gideon. As we... This isn't going to be up on the screen. We're going to have some other verses later, but as he speaks with Gideon, he, he, I'm going to pick up here in Gideon, or excuse me, Judges chapter six, verse 25. It says, "Now on the same night the Lord said to him, "Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it." And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. And take a second bowl and offer a burnt offering. It says, with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. What was going on, part of the problem was that Israel had turned away from God. They were doing their own thing. They were worshiping, it says in this case, Baal, which was kind of this collection of gods, there's so much information on this that no one is exactly sure what Baal was, but it was this collection of gods, and so they're worshiping Baal, and then there was basically an Asherah pole there as well, and this Asherah pole was, I guess in our minds, the best thing we could conceive of is kind of like a totem pole, that was another form of worship to another god. And so rather than worshiping the one true God, as God had called them to do, taking care of them, pulled them out of Egypt and all these things for them, set them up, they began to worship other gods. They began to place their faith and trust in false gods of Baal and Asherah. And God basically begins right here, and it always begins at the altar. He says, you know what, Gideon, if you're going to to move forward in victory, if you're going to live again, it all starts right here with tearing down these false gods. Tearing down the things that don't belong. If now is the time, it begins right here. What are the things in your life that don't belong? What are the altars to Baal and Asherah that need to be torn down? And so Gideon hears what the Lord has to say God basically says you need to tear down the stuff. And he says, take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah with which you shall cut down. And the very wood that you're going to use to build a proper sacrifice is going to come from this old God that you thought you had. Cut up, get out the chainsaw. Of course, he didn't have those then, right? All right. Cut it into pieces, prepare it, light it on fire. It says in verse 27 in chapter 6 of Judges, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, in Scripture, typically, we think of these great biblical characters of, as of men of courage. You know, we think about David as this little guy who runs into battle with a sling and goes up against this huge giant. We think of people, with, you know, they're not people with faint hearts. But what's interesting and why I love the story of Gideon this morning is that Gideon was afraid, but he's wanting to do what God tells him to do. You ever had that wrestling? Yeah, God, I want to do what I'm supposed to do, what you've called me to do, but quite honestly, and I may not share this with everybody else, I'm scared. I'm afraid. That means some real changes are going to happen. Some real things are going to take place here. He was already in deep doo-doo with the rest of the community, basically. It was going to be because he had cut down the Asherah pole, chopped it up, and used it as kindling for another fire, tore up the altar of Baal. So look at what it says about Gideon. It says, Then Gideon, in verse 27, took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. But because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city, not the Midianites, not the people that would come in. He was afraid of his own community. Because he was afraid of them, And the men in the city, it says, um, to do it by day, he did it by night. So in the middle of the night, everyone else is sleeping, then he goes and cuts it down. It says, when the men in the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. And they said to one another, who did this thing? And when they searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son, that he may die. For he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah, which was beside it. They were incensed. They were ticked off because They were actually defending Baal and defending Asherah. This is how backwards the community of Israel had become at this point. They weren't worshiping the God of their fathers. They were worshiping Baal and Asherah and were ticked off that Gideon stood up to do what was right and tore it all down. They wake up and they see this and they're like, you know what? Bring him out. Bring out your son so that he can die. And his father... It says, but Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself because someone has torn down his altar. It says, therefore, on that day, they named him um, Jeroboam, or if I'm even saying that correctly. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he had torn down his altar. Let Baal deal with him. His father at least... Stood up for him. Now, in the book of Judges, what's cool as well in the same chapter is God has called Gideon to take a stand. He's called Gideon to get up and to fight the Midianites. But he is, as he says to God, "You know, I'm I'm part of the smallest clan in all of Israel." And he, this is where we get the story of the of the fleece. You ever heard this before? You know, God, if this is really you, I'm going to put out a fleece. I'm going to ask if, if, I know, if this is really you, then make the fleece wet. If it's not you, then, then I'll know. But this is what it says. Let's look at it in verse 36. And Gideon said to God, If you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I'll put a fleece of wool in the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and if it's dry in all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. And it was so. When he arose early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece. He drained the dew from the fleece. A bowl full of water was there. And then Gideon says to God one more time, he says, let's do the opposite. This is part of his fear. This is part of his freaking out. How do I really know this is you calling me to do this? Just little Gideon, terrified to begin with. I've already got myself in hot water. If I'm supposed to do this, if I'm supposed to go up against this army of people that comes in with so many, they were thinking the numbers I've read, about 135,000 Midianites that would come in. If you've called me to do this, I really, really need to know because what? What are you thinking? I don't want to what? Die. I don't want to die. I don't want to do this. And so he asks God, you know, do the opposite. Make the ground wet and the, the fleece dry. And, and, and he says, Lord, don't be angry at me for this. And what's really cool in this story is we see God's grace in this. God, God um, allows this to happen. He says, okay, I'll show you. And he does it another time later on where he confirms and says, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And so this happens. Now, look what happens. This is a great aspect of this story. It says, Then Gideon, this is in chapter 7, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Harad. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them, by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. Basically, what Gideon had done is he kind of put out the call to the rest of Israel. Who's going to show up because now's the time for us to fight these Midianites? And a bunch of people had come in. He had a total of 32,000 people, 32,000 Israelites that all came together ready to do battle. But God says something to him. Gideon, and let's already think about this, 32,000 against 135,000. Okay? That's some pretty bad odds. But this is what God says to him. He says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many. You got too many people. You got to scale back. There are too many of me, too many people for me to give Midian into your hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. I can't, can't do it like this. When you think about it, it makes sense because the people at that point weren't even worshiping God as they they should have. Things of, you know, Baal and Asherah taking place just in in his community. So he says, I want you to do this. I want you to tell the people of these 32,000, is anybody scared? Anybody afraid? It's kind of a theme in these couple of chapters. Then you can go home. God says, Gideon, that's what you tell them. If anybody's scared, knock on the knees. I think that's actually in the scripture there, depending on the version. Then you can go home. It's okay. We'll see how many leave. Maybe they'll get it down to the number that's best. So Gideon says this, (laughs) and 22,000 people leave. Can you imagine Gideon thinking, Lord, are you... We're hiding in caves, I'm threshing wheat in a wine press. You know, could we at least have had the 32,000 against 135,000? So 22,000 leave. But then God says to Gideon, if you, if you read, 10,000 is still too many. It's too many. Even with 10,000 against 135,000, you're going to try to take credit for this. You're going to try to say, my hand, Israel is mighty. We have done this thing. And so he says something really strange. This is how you're going to pare it down. We're going to go and, and, and hey, guys, let's go get a drink before we go into battle. Okay? Now, as they go to drink, Gideon, I want you to pay attention. Out of 10,000 people, I don't know how you figure this all out, I guess. But out of 10,000 people, if they go up to drink, there's going to be some that kneel down to drink. And there's going to be some, it says this, that are going to lap water up like a dog. And that's how you're going to separate. So as it boils down to it, out of the 10,000, there's 300 people that lap up water like a dog. And God says, those are your guys. And the rest of the thousands are gone. First of all, there's this huge aspect of, really, God, 300 people against 135,000. If you're Gideon, you want to say, you're out of your mind. But then the real question, what the preacher says, right, is, do you trust God? Is it about your effort? Is it about what you do? Or is it about what God's going to do? Down to 300 people. And what's funny to me is that God chooses the most unlikely of people. Yeah, pick out the ones that drink water like a dog. Those are your warriors? Really? i got to take 300 weirdos with me into battle? It's probably a stretch, I'm sure. Okay. But it's an awkward thing. 300 people getting ready to go into battle against 135,000. If I'm Gideon at this point, I'm thinking, well, maybe hiding in the cave isn't all that bad. Maybe I've got to make my bread in a wine press, whatever. At least I'm getting by. But basically, like the video God is telling Gideon, now is the time. We all face those moments in our life, in our church, in in all kinds of areas where we say, now's the time. Now's the time. And so Gideon gets ready for battle. After it's been pared down to 300, this is what happens next. It says... Now, the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But I love this. But if you are afraid, if you're afraid, to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm afraid. Getting if you are afraid to go down, go down with Pura, your servant, down to the camp, and you will hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. I'm going to give you a little bit of encouragement. Isn't this amazing to see? When we think about God in the Old Testament, we don't think about God being gentle and concerned with people's fears at times. You think of the strong, mighty, and crazy battles and all these things. And we definitely have a crazy battle here. But every step of the way, he is with Gideon's fear. He is with Gideon to comfort him, but at the same time stretching him, saying, we are going to do it with 300 people. But if you're afraid, go ahead and go down and, and listen to what happens. So they go down and they listen. And basically, as, as the story in Scripture goes, they, they get close enough to hear men talking in the Midianite camp. And, and one of the guys is like, I've had a dream of this, this loaf of bread, this small loaf of bread that came tumbling into the, the, the camp. And that everybody was crazy. And everybody, I'm going to have to read what he actually says here. Um, it says, Behold, I had a dream. and A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his friend replied, these are the Midianites talking, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. Where does this come from? Why is Gideon all of a sudden have this great name? This guy who's hiding away in caves. This guy who's threshing weed in a wine press. But it's like the Lord has gone ahead and and as one, one writer puts it, did some psychological warfare. Well, they've already had these dreams and they're freaked out about what could happen in battle. Even though it says, the Bible says that they just covered the land like locusts with, with their warriors and their camels and all, all these things. They were way, they way outnumbered the rest. It says, When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. And then, with the 300, it says he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put trumpets and empty pitchers or, uh, into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers, or, or clay pots, essentially. So everyone goes into battle, all 300, with a trumpet. And for them, a trumpet was a ram's horn. I don't know if you've ever heard one of those blown before. They had a ram's horn... And they had a clay pot with a torch inside of it. Divided them up and sent them out. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. And so it says, so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just posted the watches around 10 o'clock at night. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the pitchers that were in their hands. And when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and cried, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran, crying out as they fled. When they blew 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army. And the army fled as far as beth towards toward Zerara, as far as the edge of Abel-Mechola by Tabith. The men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali and Asher and all of Manasseh, and it says that they pursued Midian what did they go into battle with they didn't even have a sword some commentators say they didn't even have the metal remaining to make swords they didn't have other weapons other than this they went into battle 300 men with a trumpet with a ram's horn and with a torch inside of a pot that's what they went into battle with. The whole point of this, of course, is faith in the Lord. Faith that, the, that God is going to do the work with 300 men. No other weapons other than a trumpet that's used, that's blown for the glory of God. And what's, what's the deal with the, the clay pots? Let's step back and think about a few things. There's a huge aspect, obviously, of trusting God in this passage that we've read today. In trusting God, again, the altars that belong to Baal and Asher, the things that don't belong, need to come down. And here's the other thing. It's not the size of our rank that's important, but the size of our God. It's not about how many people you have going into battle. It's about how big God is. They didn't even have, in the world's terms, a legitimate weapon. The trust could not be in themselves. It had to be in God. And in faithfulness, Gideon and the rest of the men walked into battle Faithfully following what the Lord had called them to do. And it was the Lord who fought. It's pretty incredible. There's a couple of passages of scripture that I wanted to share that kind of go along with this. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. It says this. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, right? And all the typical ways that you win. But it says, but we will boast... And the name of the Lord, our God. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 is another amazing passage of scripture. It says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel saying, not by might, not by power, but by my what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You know, something really cool. People have, have mused about these pots and the, the fire in, in, inside these pots. And what's interesting, if you, if you study the Hebrew language, if, you, if there's an understanding of, of different words, and they, you could even see this in the New Testament, that they all had numerical values for different things. And different numerical values with the Hebrew language meant different things. What's interesting is that he chose 300 men. What we learn about the number 300 in in so many different ways, and we don't have time to go through all the passages in the Old Testament. But the number 300 in many ways is kind of considered the signature of God. It's like his handprint is on this. Using 300 of this or 30, the 330 thing is tied together. It shows the signature of God. Who has accomplished this? God has. Another cool thing about this is that the, the, there is a letter that equals 300 in the Hebrew language. It's this, it looks almost like a W in Hebrew. It has a little dot above it. And what that is called in Hebrew is called sheen, S H E E. And it's called a sheen. Say that with me. Sheen. Try it again. Again. Okay, pretty good. Doing good. <laughs> sheen has to do with illumination, sheen has to do with fire. Not just fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit. God tells 300 men his signature to go in and to break pots, throw the pots and break the pots and let the flame illuminate. What do we see? What's he saying? The power of the Holy Spirit will accomplish this. Power of Holy Spirit. There's a couple of amazing passages as we think about this one in particular. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. The Bible says you are a clay pot. You are an earthen Vessel And the treasure that's within us, as Scripture says, is what is nothing but the same. It is the Holy Spirit of God in clay pots. It's not by our might. It's not by our strength. But it's by the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of God. One of my favorite passages, too, in Scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, and it, you know, God. if God's called us to do something as individuals, if God has called us to do something as a church, we think sometimes how we're going to accomplish it. How in the world are we going to move forward? And, and this is a great passage. It says, for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But this is what God loves to do. It says, but... God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world, and that the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. So that, and this was his concern With Gideon, so that no man may boast before God. God likes to take the unlikely thing and use it. God likes to take the thing that everyone else says, there's no way. The things that are small, the things that are weak, the things that no one else thinks that they can accomplish this and says, this is what I want to use. And if God removes things from your life, if He scales things back, if He takes things away, let it be nothing more in your mind than preparation for Him about to do a great thing. Because the trust is not in ourselves, it's in who? It's in Him. We ourselves are only clay pots, but what's inside is the fire of the Holy Spirit. So that 300 men take down an army of hundred and thirty. Five thousand, because of the power of God. You know, this past week I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the vision that we have as a church. We, um, as some of you know, I think the majority at this point, it comes to my mind. This past week we we lost someone. Her name was Liz. Some of you might have remembered Liz. She came and played keyboard for us a few times. She had a tattoo like in every area that, you know, just that kind of person. Her and Derek came at the time. And it was exciting because our vision Or, I would even say, our purpose statement as a church, going back and forth in my notes, says this It says, because we believe real life is only found with Jesus, we seek to reconnect people to the church and welcome the broken and outcast with grace to receive the healing and life he offers. That's what we're about. There are those that have been part of the church at one time, but they, they haven't been to church in forever. Who's going to reach out to them and say, come back? And there's a world full of broken people. There's a world full of, of outcasts. There's the, the guys that are drinking water like a dog, right? The 300. 300. <laughs> There's a world full of people that need the Lord. One of the things that took place this week, of course, you know, Liz passed away. And we went to the visitation, and there was a, there was a tree there. Coolest thing I've ever seen at something like this. I you not know, you know what the tree was made out of, but there were branches. And what you were, what you were supposed to do was to go over and to, to take a card and to write a memory down that you had of Liz and to clip it onto the tree and to take a thing of seeds with you to plant that as they bloomed you'd remember you remember Liz and Diane took a card and, and wrote down a memory that she had with Liz that said that I, she remembered talking about Liz because we were going to ask her to play keyboards with us and a lot of other churches possibly say well you know Liz you haven't been in church in, in ages and years and you've got these other issues and this kind of stuff going, on. I'm sorry, you can't be a part of the worship band. And so in her mind, knowing that kind of stuff, she was like, she told Diane, not worthy. I'm not worthy to get up here and to play keyboard. And the real the truth is, for all of us, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy to stand up here and to lead in worship. Because what we just read in Scripture, we, God says, hey, I'm going to take the things that are not and make them as though they are. I'm going to take the weak things and use them. I'm going to take the people that, that no one else would use and use them. God loves to confound the wise. This morning, there's a lot of applications for us individually to say, God I've got to stop trusting in myself, these other things, need to trust in you. But it's also it's a message to us as a church this morning as well. Say that you you have a group of people, you have a mission, you have a target that I've called you to reach. And now's the time. You know, I hate that Liz is gone. But one of the things I'm happy about was that she found a place that she could go to. She found a place that she could be used. She found a place that she could be loved. Things happened between her and Derek and his relationships. More than, the only thing that pulled her away from this church was struggling with relationships. And even now, talking with Derek at the nursing home, he's like, you know what? I really, if I'm going to go back to church, I know where I want to go. A church like real life is important. It's needed. We have a calling from God to move forward with. It only took 300 people with torches. It wasn't them. It took the Lord. This morning, there's all kinds of things we consider our lives that we're facing. There might be some things that just seem, just seem huge to you, that just seem insurmountable. You might have felt like you've been hidden away in a cave, you're afraid, and you just don't want to come out and fight anymore. And you've put other things, maybe even, and this happens at the end of your rope, up in place of God but then God shows up like he did with Midian and says now is the time tear this crap down and go fight what are the areas of your life that you have to trust God in right now to say not by might, not by power but by the spirit of God There is no issue that is too big for him. Nothing. It's all about his power. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing one final song.